All right, so good evening, everybody. Can we turn this guy on, or are we good here, Andy? Okay. So we're on. Oh, I forgot to write the title up there. But lesson number five, Dare to Listen to Wise Counsel. And actually, this lesson, well, that's the title. It uh, goes a little more in depth than that and actually kind of has more to do with um, um, returning uh, good for evil. Um, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the message. Uh, Brother Reader, would you go ahead and lead us, open us up in a word of prayer? <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this answered prayer. And um, uh, just we thank you for how uh, you have shown yourself strong and you've uh, just done a lot of things recently. We, we thank you for that. Pray now that uh, in the service tonight you'd uh, help John as he teaches the, the lesson and help us all to uh, just be attentive to your truth and please work in each of our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you very much. All right. So lesson number five, dare to listen to wise counsel. So this is kind of the, les the lesson kind of paralleling the story of... Uh, David and Abigail and Nabal, is it Naboth or Nabal? Nabal, I get those confused there. Um, so that's text is going to be in 1 Samuel 25. Um, so we'll go right into the lesson here. The Bible has much to say about seeking and receiving counsel. In Proverbs 13, 20, it says, He that walketh with the wise men shall be wise, but the companions of fools shall be destroyed. The Bible also says there is both safety and stability in multitude of counselors. Is Proverbs eleven fourteen in your in your book? Yep. Okay. So Proverbs eleven fourteen says, "Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety." Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, "Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors they are established." I actually got that one. I like that one. Uh, Proverbs twenty four six, for by wise counsel shalt thou make, shalt thou make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. So Lot refused counsel of Abraham and ended up in Sodom. Hezekiah accepted the counsel of Isaiah and became one of Judah's greatest kings. There was a number of time in David's life when this mighty man of God was willing, uh, and was willing to seek and to receive counsel. And this chapter, 1 Samuel 25, is a prime example. Uh, a lot of other examples in the Bible, in really in the world, you see, you see somebody big and successful, normally there's a lot of wise counsel packed in uh, behind them. Um, so, yeah. So, point number one, Nabal's what? This is going to be a tougher one. What is it? Nope. Provocation. Provocation. That would be a tough one for me because I didn't even know that was a word. <laughs> Nabal's provocation. Nabal is a perfect specimen of people who are unfriendly, unkind, to the point of nastiness, and prone to ill treatment of those around them. For no reason other than his own contrariness, 
Nabal chose to mistreat David and his men. Do any of us know somebody like that? There's always somebody like that. What do they call those? Um, oh, I forget. I guess the, the female version of that is the Karens today. I was thinking of that there's like a male version. But anyway, yep, so there was always somebody like that that you know. Um, it has been said that life is not fair and we just need to get over it. However, the Bible promises a blessing to those who are treated poorly for the sake of the Lord. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. And we'll go ahead and read the round of that. So, Dad, could you start us out? Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice in the exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. All right. So point number A, or sub-point number A, is what was churlish? And I kind of wish it would have put the blank on the, the other word. Churlish. <laughs> attitude. His attitude was churlish. While God's word says that we are uh, that we are to be kind to others, we realize people will not always be kind to us. Nabal's attitude was churlish, uh, which means uh, rude, mean-spirited. Um, well, and it, gives, it gives a definition of uh, surly. <coughs> that doesn't help. But, uh, rude and mean-spirited make more sense to me. Uh, while we all have met people like this, we never get to a place where we enjoy counter, encountering them. But we must remember that carnal people will predominantly have carnal attitudes. We often deal with difficult people. We cannot ultimately uh, control uh, how other people act. Their attitudes may be churlish, just like Nabal's. However, we can control the way we react. Subpoint B, his what were contemptuous, contemptuous actions. All right. Hang on. It would have been funner if they had the contemptuous one in there, but eh. His actions were contemptuous. Nabal had a mean spirit. He proceeded to act it out enthusiastically. We find that he was unwilling to share his shepherd's food with starving men on the run. Although he had an abundance and David's men had been very good to Nabal's men. Proverbs 3.27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Further, Nabal expressed his utter contempt for David. Who is David, and who is the son of Jesse? Uh, there could be no doubt that all of Israel knew of David, the slayer of Goliath, this was the same David about whom the women of Israel sang praises in 1 Samuel 18, 7. Saul, is, Saul had slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Yeah, and when you think, so he's a hero uh, and the king of Israel is scouring the whole land for this dude says, yeah, there's no doubt that Nabal knew who, knew who David was. But uh, what it's saying here is what Nabal meant was, who does David think he is that I should help feed him and his bunch of traitors? Here we find David faced 
rejection and disrespect from someone who he had just who he had reason to expect better. At this critical juncture in David's life, he unwisely determined to seek revenge. Had Abigail not stepped in, the rest of David's life may have been forever altered. Um, let's see, a quote here says, uh, I thought that was pretty good. The, uh, the return to return good for good is human. To return evil for evil is brutal. To return evil for good is diabolical. But to return good for evil is divine. Uh, it says a quote from somebody Royard. Point number two. Point number two. Abigail's what? Please. Please. At this juncture of our story, we see a wise wife speaking up and interceding for her foolish husband. That never happened to me. <laughs> and actually, sometimes I wonder how many times has it happened that I, I don't even know about. <laughs> so, subpoint A, she was another word for snappy. Starts with an R. Responsive. She was responsive. Ooh. She was responsive. The first thing we see with Abigail is that she hurried to get involved. She saw an emergency and ran to meet it. The Bible says in verse 18 and 23 that she hasted. She had a real sense of urgency. It is certainly a wise thing for Christians to move quickly to do that which is right. We need to move quickly to right wrongs. We need to, be, we need to move quickly to obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we are to redeem the time for the days are evil. Ephesians 5, 16. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Abigail made haste and her quick actions earned David's respect and gained the ultimate salvation of most of her family. Subpoint B. She was respectful. Clearly, Abigail was respectful in several ways. She fell before David on her face. She bowed herself to the ground. She fell at his feet. She took the blame on herself. While some of these may, while some may see this passage as redundant, most feel that Abigail, immediately upon getting off her donkey, fell to the ground. She then advanced towards David and bowed to the ground. Finally, drawing even closer, she threw herself prostrate at his feet. If there is a singular word that would describe her actions, it would be humility. There is no doubt that this humble spirit touched David, and he responded graciously to it. God loves to see a humble spirit in his children as well. James chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Luke 14, 11. Okay. Yep. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Those are some good verses for us men particularly, because we seem to have the most problems with, uh, not that ladies don't, but as guys, we struggle with our pride sometimes. A lot of times, except for me. 
because <laughs> I'm humble. So God's promise to us as believers, as if we humble ourselves, he will reward us for both our behavior. Uh, well, he will reward us for our behavior. Knowing that she would only receive mercy if she humbled herself before David, Abigail fell willingly before the man who she knew would be her earthly king. If we were to obtain mercy and blessing from God, we must humble our spirits before our heavenly king. And how much, how much more should we be willing to, to bow down and be humble, uh, have humble spirits towards the Lord? But so often we get our prideful spirits and we know better uh, than, than even the king of kings himself. All right, subpoint C, she was reasonable. She was reasonable. Yeah, she figured those out. They all started with R's, as he normally does. Uh, so she was reasonable. But every once in a while, he'll mix it up. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess there's only so many words, I guess, in the English language that start with the same letter that goes along with your thing. But Yeah, you can, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I guess it, you see the, the it's contemptuous and churlish words. So, yeah. Abigail knew that God was just. It is never God's plan to slay the innocent with the wicked. Here we see Abigail reasoning with David. She quickly states that she knew nothing about the wrong decision made by her husband. She makes it clear that she wants to rectify his mistake. We also see that she was not just talking about it, but she had also come prepared to do something about it. And um, that's one thing that kind of stuck out to me in this is it's, um, you can really see the heart of somebody saying something if you see they're prepared Squeaking going on. If you see, they're prepared to actually act upon what they're uh, talking about and have passion uh, for. You know, generally, if it's just talk, there is no preparation. So, um, so that's pretty neat that you see that right uh, in here with Abigail. Uh, and, it, and the book goes on to say, being reasonable is one thing; backing up reasonableness with action is yet another. We also see Abigail taking the blame upon herself uh, when she made the request, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid. Certainly this had to touch the heart of David, who knew that she was in no wise guilty. Abigail appealed to David's justice and his mercy. These are two of the greatest attributes of God as well. Isaiah 45, 21. Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. In Second Chronicles twenty twenty one. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Uh, so there's a, a story told uh, of a mother whose son was a soldier in Napoleon Bonaparte's army. Gotta love moms. I love my mom. Uh, having committed a serious offense, he was sent, sentenced to be executed. The boy's mother, however, approached Napoleon on behalf of her son's life. 
uh, Sir, I don't ask for justice, but I plead for mercy. And Napoleon replied, Your son does not deserve mercy. And the mom tells Napoleon, It would not be mercy if he deserved it. Uh, mercy is all I ask for. Napoleon considered briefly and replied, Well then, I will have mercy. Just like Abigail, we can appeal to God's justice and mercy in our time of need. All right. So we're on point number three, David's what? Persuasion. Andy, man. The falls are back. In verse 13, David had already made up his mind that Nabal and his family should be destroyed. In the past, David had carefully protected the property of Nabal and had allowed his men to steal nothing. Now, with Nabal's selfishness and his insults, David was unquestionably being repaid evil for good. This is the complete opposite of God's word that teaches us to repay good for evil. Matthew 5.44 But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. After Nabal's behavior toward him, David was determined to destroy Nabal and his household. However, Abigail was instrumental in uh, persuading David to change his mind. Subpoint A is what was restrained? Passion. Ooh, beat the bullets. Uh, his passion was restrained. David was a man of deep passion, as it is clearly seen throughout his life, and especially in his psalms. When he was happy, he was ecstatic. Uh, when he was sad, he was anguished. When he was angry, he was furious, as we see in the case of Nabal. David could have flown into a fury and immediately killed the men of Nabal's house, but God restrained him until Abigail could react to the situation and come uh, to David. And to David's credit, he listened. Instead of allowing his fury to erupt into carnage, he allowed Abigail to speak and was persuaded by her pleas to not destroy the family. The word of God commands us to restrain our spirits, be slow to wrath, and, and to be peacemakers. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is as a city that is broken down in James 1, 19 through 20, 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. In Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. All right, I have an illustration here. It has been said of the Reverend Thomas Clark, <clears throat> who was a church leader near London in the late 1700s, that Clark had a pleasant natural disposition. When one man approached Clark about it, he replied, Natural disposition? Why, I am naturally as irritable as any. But when I find anger or passion or any other evil temper arise in my mind, I immediately go to my Redeemer. In confessing my sins, I give myself up to be managed by him. This is the way that I have taken to get the mastery of my passions. 
Um, it's very neat. Yeah, you think about the Lord. Um, it would have been easy, uh, pretty neat to see, uh, yeah, man, give God the credit and glory. Because it would have been easy to say, yeah, I'm a good person. I'm a naturally, you know, what does it say? I have a pleasant natural disposition. <laughs> I've got the charisma, of course. Now he says, oh, it's not me. I'm God, it's like everybody else. I'm good to my Redeemer. Naturally, David wanted to destroy Nabal and his household. David's passion seemed justified because of Nabal's behavior. Thankfully, David restrained his passion so that a better work could be done. And you know, that kind of like goes with um, some things and decisions, uh, you know, you can justify, and maybe they are justifiable or even good decisions, but there may be an even better decision out there if we can um, control our spirits and let the Lord work. Subpoint B is what was rewarded? Patience. All right. Patience was rewarded. David's choice to hear Abigail out and restrain his passion resulted in blessings for him and his men. As the story closes, we see that what Abigail brought to David and his men. We find in verse 18, it took multiple donkeys to carry the food that Abigail brought. That's a lot of food. There was a loaf of bread and a half of cake of figs for every man. Fresh meat was brought for everyone, as well as raisins and corn. David and his men had their needs met with abundance. We often jump ahead of God and act upon our passions without using patience. Because of this, we miss out on the blessings God has for us right around the corner. Even losing the spiritual growth we might have gained. Instead, we should all heed the words of James. James chapter 1, verse 4. Mr. Reader? I think it might be Mr. Reader. But let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. All right. So in conclusion, it has been said, the more things change, the more things remain the same. Like David of old, at times we find ourselves provoked and mistreated. What is needed today is for people to enter an intercessory ministry as Abigail did. Uh, the Bible gives many illustrations of intercessors. Moses pled for the children of Israel. Abraham pled for Lot. Paul pled for the brethren. We might ask ourselves, are we interceding for someone today? And so often we, and that's another way to return good for evil. Again, it's so easy to, we mistreat you to know at our best to just think evil thoughts about them or even like and it's again one of those good things to pray for them and forgive them but how often do we like intercede for them uh, I don't find myself doing that very often um, but if we can do that uh, look at the blessings that come out of that Uh, so we need to take the time to listen when someone comes to us as an intercessor. Finally, we know the patience and the intercessions 
were both rewarded. Uh, this can be, again, we, can, we have the same scenarios uh, that apply uh, today in our lives. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, <clears throat> And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This is a promise to both intercessors and to those who allow God to control their passions. So some study questions. Why did David believe Nabal would be kind to his men when he sent, uh, sent them asking for provisions? Yep. Yep. Um, I'd imagine in those days, I guess, you know, things are different and um, it's probably pretty common to kind of help yourself to stuff that's growing on the trees. Um, but yeah, he he provided physical protection for Nabal and his servants and uh, and his property, and then they didn't take anything from him. Uh, describe the reactions of Nabal to the requests of David and his servants. kind of mean uh, don't cross my lawn <laughs> so describe the reaction of David to the provocations of Nabal he was he was angry and uh, he was thinking that Nabal should die and pay for that on what basis did Abigail plead for David to spare Nabal? That's true. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bring God into this. <laughs> I'm going to take care of this. Yeah, God has his, God has his ways. I mean, his, they're always better. So, but you do think of like, what all would have been different if Abigail wanted to came, or he wanted to heed Abigail's uh, intercessory there. A lot. What should our reaction be when someone comes to us with a need? First, it's in, thy, in the power of thine hand to do it. Um, something like that. Yeah. If you can do it and it's in thy power, just do it. That's my synopsis of that verse. I can't remember. Uh, what should our reaction uh, when someone misunderstands our good intentions or mistreats us? Pretty easy answer there, but kind of tough living there. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, easy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again. Yeah. Looking at stuff as 
if God's bringing these people to us. It's not. People are people. And, uh, uh, yeah, another thing Dad said this morning of, uh, you got that, that age-old saying, or, yeah, life is just not fair. <laughs> so, yeah, things happen. But they happen for a reason. Um, what should our reaction uh, be when someone comes to us pleading for a hearing? We should be we should be willing to listen as we would want to be listened to, and more than that, as um, as we'd want God to listen, um, how we'd want God to listen to us. Give a personal example of God rewarding you for exercising patience under provocation. Does anybody have an example of that? Oh, Katie. I was in a rear PA and I was there's a lady, an old lady at the checkout with her her buggy, and I was behind her and she left, like I was coming up and she left the aisle. So I start putting my stuff in there and she comes back and she's like, she's actually pressing me up and down. <laughs> and I already stuck my stuff off the counter and I'm like kind of turning red and feeling like really angry. And it's like the voice was like apologizing. I'm like, I didn't cut line. Like, it's not my fault. I'm like, it's like, apologize. And the cashiers, like, we're all, like, feeling really awkward about it. Like, I'm so mad. And, uh, because I had hesitated. So I'm like, is she coming back? I don't think she's coming back. I was like, I'm like, I'm really sorry. Her daughter, she, her daughter was taking too long, I guess, and she's looking at our daughter, an adult lady. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> like, stepped in line before that. And she had pants. <laughs> and the lady's like, and, like, she didn't. But it was like, okay. Like that, you know, you did the right thing, and like I had a piece going out about it, but like, like I really don't want to apologize, but it just made that like situation to make over to you. I was like, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to cut, I didn't realize you were coming back, yeah. but it just kind of diffused it, and it was just like a little weird. So it was kind of neat, but it was one of those things of all the everything in me was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to um, get, you had to kind of humble yourself to. Kind of say you're you're in the wrong. Yeah. 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 She probably would have hit me with her cake. (laughs) (laughs) So a a little hurt pride's better than a lump on the head from a cane's.
You're surprised. I was like, oh, I did not expect that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my motivation for actually doing it is like, I want to wear a skirt. <laughs> and they thought I'm a Christian. <laughs> if I was wearing something that did look very Christian, I'd be like, do it. It was kind of that funny thing of like, did your corona mask on? And but it was kind of those weird things that like when you dress like a Christian and they know it, like you really should do the right thing. The Holy Spirit bringing God into it. (laughs) That was good. Something that I think is kind of important in those kind of cases. A lot has to do with how you feel at the time. If you're in anger, you're upset, or something like that, and then somebody hits you with something, what you might say. But you know, if we stay close to the Lord, and you know, we're full of His grace and His love, and have a song in our heart, you know, if we try to do that, it, we tend to say the right, have the right responses, or it doesn't seem to like this. Seems we're softer and absorb. Anger is, it can be a good thing. Uh, like there are some things to get angry about. You know, the Lord's angry, but differentiating the Lord's anger from your own fleshly anger is tough. And if you can pull away from it for a while to give yourself time to simmer down and figure out why that made you upset, then uh, gives you a chance to respond better. And, you know, maybe it is something you need to respond to, but you can respond to it through the Lord and not through your flesh. Um, yeah, sometimes we have, uh, my wife and I, there, you know, there's there's always something going on. Everybody has things going on and some things make you upset. And you're like, oh, why did that make me upset? It's like, ah, 90% of the time, 99% of the time, it's like, oh, because it kind of hurt my pride, you know. But then every once in a while, it's like, this is not right. Uh, and then you got to try to think, well, does the Lord want us to say something for that person? Do we love that person enough to say something? Do we have that right heart attitude? Or, um, you know, we just really need to be praying. And we should be you know, interceding for others, too, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Sometimes I think the devil will hit you just to What did you do? <laughs> I don't know. But and, and your first reaction is, is they have no right to say that. And they mm-hmm. but then you realize it's kind of the, the, the interesting picture that I got from it is you ever been holding a little baby and they get you in your nose <laughs> and you just want to drop them on the floor, you know, or whatever. But 
They're crying. They're crying. Yeah, they're right. They're crying. I'm not sure if it's broke. But it was just like the devil can be like that. It was. It wasn't really. You know, it's more of a to see how you're going to react, and if that person's unsaved, if you react wrong, now they have. Yeah. Well, she says she's a Christian. Look what she did. So sometimes I think it's just the Lord allows us to be tested regardless. Some, some good stuff. It's like, especially um, for my life personally, and we got some others that are in the kind of same-ish stage of life. Um, uh, just being married, and just a lot ha- change changes there, and your relationships is a lot closer, so it's different. Uh, but just those some of those feelings and stuff. Actually, I really have no clue how worldly people make marriage work. Because uh, you have to, for me anyway, you really have to humble yourself in a lot of ways. You, you figure out just how prideful you are and um, just responding correctly. Just in this, this kind of reminds me a lot of like situations I get myself into <laughs> being married of. You gotta admit that you're, even though you may be right, and that's one thing. Uh, for me, if I know I'm right, and I have this feeling, and I know why something was said, and I know I'm right, and I am, I have a hard time showing some mercy and admit where I am wrong, and going from that end and humbling myself to that and working working through the situation instead of proving my righteousness, you know, which is well, very human and nothing anyway. But in, in the end, it's like normally it's stupid stuff, dumb stuff doesn't even really matter anyway, but just that working through things and being able to humble, humble yourself and want to intercede for people and Really admitting that you're wrong too, and uh, asking for forgiveness. So with that, uh, Dad, if you would want to come up and close us, give us closing thoughts and close us in prayer, that'd be great. Thoughts tonight, just good interactions and thoughts. <laughs> um, I got credit for a lot of things that Brother Mike said tonight. <laughs> 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 said this morning. Um, but yeah, it's it's easy saying, hard living. Uh, um, so let's just have a word of prayer and dismiss. Father, thank you for this lesson about counsel, Lord, and uh, just seeing Abigail and how she um, pleaded uh, to David and how David had to respond. And then his uh, he, he he had already thought what he was going to do, and uh, and this intercession from Abigail changed everything and um, so father may we may we learn from this and uh, and when we make the mistakes may we uh, try to make them right 
um, humble ourselves. And, uh, you know, if there's anything in any situation where we have a little bit of wrong, just to, to admit it, uh, to learn, uh, to tell others that you know, we, we were wrong without trying to make it sound any more better or give um, excuses mm -hmm. or but just to just to be be humble to, to really look for your outcome in things not ours and uh, so father I just pray you bless this message to our hearts tonight in Jesus name